Pro production, she put on for a shot. Need a spot where we can kick it. Spot where we belong. That's just for us. In this big city, I want them to mention me. <laughs> Talk your shit, Bree. Ooh, child. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Breemore Productions podcast, a safe place for the Black opinion. And I have a special guest today. Um, I would like to say is like deeper than. Hmm. I think it's deeper than uh, the job that you do for the city is, is low key an activist in a way <laughs> because you're doing a greater good. I think anyone that like bring the community together is more than the the job. So my special guest is Dee. She is the community and event coordinator for the South Dallas Food Park that's been going on for about six uh, so months. We- we had a break, so we were going from April to May, and then we came back in June, no, July. So it's been like an ongoing thing since January, for sure. Since January, yeah. Oh wow, I didn't even know it was like from January. I knew it was more. I knew it was like roughly six months or more. But I didn't know it was January. Yeah, we started um, like planning and designing and really getting all the kinks out in January. So we really been working on it. For a minute, um, I think when they first reached out to me it was back in November, so it's been cooking for a minute. Okay, um, scoot up a little bit. Sorry, it's okay. So, who is they? Let's start from the beginning. How how did the South Dallas Food Park come about? Um, so last year, the Better Block Foundation, which is a nonprofit, tactical urbanism, and uh, tactical urbanism is basically making it happen with little to nothing, whether it's budget, materials, people, uh, investment. Um, so they've been doing, they do a lot of work um, internationally. They don't do as much in Dallas, which is wild because they're in North Oak Cliff. <laughs> um, Are they based in North Oak Cliff? Yeah, their office is off of David Street. Like, oh, wow. Right down the street from uh, Bishop Arts, actually. Hmm. Uh, let, me, let me be clear. Uh, Oak Cliff, not Bishop Arts. <laughs> um, <laughs> so... They reached out to me about it. Like we, it's, they were talking about it in October. Like we're we're thinking about it. We're just trying to get all you know, all the logistics together. So I was like, yeah, cool. Um, so it circled back through in January. Um, it was part of a bigger project. I think that they had slated pre-COVID, so they had the money for it and everything. But when COVID happened, it kind of put a stop to pretty much everything. Um, and if you've been in South Dallas along MLK, going towards homes, then you see a lot of construction. Uh, like retail, these spaces are coming. Um, so a lot of that was part of this bigger project. Um, so the idea was it to was to activate a space in South Dallas uh, where people, I mean, a lot of people said nobody would come. Uh, no vendors would sign up. Like there were, I mean, it just it would it was basically a waste. Um, and to run it for that long, it was it was really really trial and error. Like even for me. Uh, you mentioned activists, and I definitely, for me, I, I don't think I am. I think there's people who are really, like, doing that work head on. I just happen to, like, take my work home all the time, and this is the, this is the result of it. But um, to activate for a month and a half, 12 weeks is a long time, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. the previous city that I worked in, I kind of thought of a, a similar process in their downtown, and we did it once a month, and that beat me down for seven months. So 
trying to activate or trying to plan a design for 12 weeks, Friday through Sunday was, was challenging, you know, and then splitting people up. But the bigger picture of it was a trek, the real estate council. Um, they did, they had a lot, all of the funding for the most part. Um, and then they brought in St. Phillips Cornerstone, excuse me. And then they brought in the better block who brought in me. Um, and there were some other community organizations part of it. So it was it was cooking before I got involved. It was that was the initial um project. Yeah, right. That was the one that ran from April 9th to about um, the weekend before Mother's Day. April 9th to okay. So that was the very first food park that happened. Yeah. And then um why did they target South Dallas? Like uh this investment. Um, the base of what I got from it and kind of like what I gathered as I got more into it was uh, there was an area that the city had identified that they, you know, there's stuff laid out for it, but everything, nothing ever really happened. It was just like a, a whole lot of fluff, a whole lot of talk, um, just a lot of disinvestment. And every time, you know, they talked to somebody about coming to South Dallas, it would either fall through or the money would get funny or they would never see the money. It would, it would just never get funneled down. Um, so they... You know, I honestly don't even know what like brought them there to be to be a hundred percent honest. Um, but everybody was trying to get their hands on South Dallas as far as how can we be the people that put it on the map? How can we say that we changed it? And with all the stuff that was going on or that's always going on with Fair Park, yeah. It's like how can how can we create something that's not Fair Park but could be just as like I guess uh notable as yeah. Dallas. And it's like walking distance from Deep Ellum. I feel like that exactly. makes it. And I mean, like from where we were at, the that lot in particular was one that, you know, they found to be really challenging just because it's hard corner. Um, it sees a lot of activity, sees a lot of foot traffic, it sees a lot. <laughs> if the streets could talk, it would say a lot for the most part. But it wasn't really close to Deep Ellum. It's not close to the dart. It's at the like the southern portion of the far end of MLK like almost breaching over into Baltimore Gym Boulevard. So that made it more like challenging as far as who's going to come down here. Mm-hmm. Who's going to come this far down in South Dallas? So the area you're talking about is Park Row. So I was raised in South Dallas. So um, that's the reason why when, um, shout out to Shanae when she contacted me yeah, and you. she told me about you, um, I was like, oh yeah, I really have to get involved because I actually seen the flyer in um on Irene's mm-hmm. and I was like, oh yeah, I have this is interesting. I have to and then when she told me about it, I was like, oh, that's crazy because I was just looking at the flyer. So you are correct. Like that area in Park Row is like it is not like what it used to be growing up. It used to be a Taco Bell over there. Um I actually used to stay like a block away, like in the South, um, the South Boulevard apartments. So it used to be like somewhat of a family environment, but now it's like zombie town in a way. Yeah. So I thought it was interesting. And how was the turnout for the very first um, food park? Um, So we ran Friday through Sunday. Um, We ran three days a week. And like that first night, uh, I'm not even gonna cap. You know the whole the whole Metroplex, like every news station you can think of came out because, of course, everybody's everybody's just like intrigued by like South Dallas. Like, why would you? Why would you go to South Dallas? Why would you? What would? Why would that be on somebody's to do thing to do list for the weekend? Like a weekend activity. 
with their families or friends or homies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in that first weekend alone, we brought out like 3,000 people. And that was, you know, I won't say minimal marketing, like through my own social media, through Ms. Wise. That's crazy that you said on our rings because it was on the list. We just never got a chance to get there. So I have no idea how the flyers got there. Like we hit um, Elaine, Blackjacks, some more small businesses, the meat market, like places that Ms. Wise told me, told me like, these people aren't going to see it on CBS. Like, they're not going to read the D Magazine article. They're not nah. going to see it like that. Mm-mm. So just from, we only really went out in the neighborhood like one week. Nobody really thought to do it before that. Um, so with that amount of, uh, like, promotion, shout out to the Dallas Weekly and Dallas Free Press because they ran it before anybody remotely got involved, anybody even, like, remotely cared, to be honest. So... Total, I think from the whole 12 weeks, and we lost the weekend due to the weather. I think we had close to like 10,000 people that came out. And even the days that the weather was kind of iffy, you know, we would still bring out about 2,000 people. Even on Sundays, like after church, it would just get to the point, you know, just couldn't even keep count. <laughs> That's awesome. That's really amazing. Um, can you talk about the vendor experience? <laughs> uh, yeah. So we opened up like a vendor application. It was open for like a month, month and a half. And of course, you know, it was open to the whole DFW, but if you were in South Dallas, based in South Dallas, uh, you got priority. Um, so we tried to really focus. I tried to, me, me being like that, that was my main like responsibility, coordinating the vendors, interacting with them, and just making sure they need, got what they needed from the city side. Um, we tried to really hone in on people that were in South Dallas, like whatever we could do to make sure that they were able to get where they needed to be. Um, for some people that didn't just, it, you know, it just didn't work out the timing of it with them and their business and the time frame that we were working with. Um, but for the most part, you know, Ms. Wise is a huge, a huge, um, just like advocate for South Dallas. So yeah, having her is. as a vendor and then her as like a, like an attendee really helped, helped me as far as navigating like vendor relationships. Uh, Bree from Bree's Bakes, same thing, South Dallas. Um, we had another, uh, uh, real estate is my sport uh the living sense so they live maybe like four blocks away um so we had a good amount of people that were in south dallas you know that born and raised raising their families right now um and that's that's always been even as we've gotten down to phase three that's always been a big piece of it is you know we gonna prioritize people that are in south dallas that are two or three blocks away type of course we get people we have people that are from all out of the metroplex you know but if we can get more people from South Dallas to sign up, then that's that's really the goal. So the goal is to like tell me what is the goal before <laughs> I even like guess what the goal is. So it, it got a little confusing, you know. Food park is in the title, and that's where you know a lot of the conversation comes up about you know is it a food truck park? Yeah, so we had a lot of people that was like we wanted more food trucks. Um, it wasn't it wasn't really about that. Um, the food truck part was you know people like to eat. People are gonna come out with his food involved. Um, but it was really about activating the space. Like that corner is, is tough. You know what I'm saying? Like there was, before we actually built everything, I was going out there. We were going out there like every week just to kind of see what it was like, see what was going on. You know what I'm saying? Just be on the outside looking in, you know what I'm saying? That's not, that's not a community that I'm in all the time. And like my, the people that hired me from better, Black, you know what I'm saying? Um, so seeing, you know, the little to no activation that the, the, there's nothing going on, you know what I mean? 
and hearing it sometimes even from like your your internal partners of you know it's just a hard it's just a hard spot we can't do x y z we got or about crime and this and that and the third and honestly you know what i'm saying we had one incident or one person um was killed but it was before the park opened it was like early early sunday morning before other than that nobody ever tried to steal anything nobody ever tried to you know personally harm anybody else out there i mean there's a couple of people that you got you know you keep your eye out on but for the most part I, i'm a thousand percent like I, I never felt like i was unsafe even when that incident happened um so i would say the intent for me now taking like being the lead person being the lead organization is having a space is like a business incubator so it it's a place that businesses can grow they can network with other businesses that are primarily black and brown owned and they can it's like this hub um it's it's kind of the, the proliferation of everybody's talking about the black dollar, but it's like, this is really that. But also helping these businesses grow, especially from the food aspect. Like if anybody has ever done anything food related in the city of Dallas or put on any event with food, then they know it's it's not for the faint of heart trying to navigate through the city side of it. So the biggest incentive now is a space, a space for people to just be, a space that is in South Dallas. So when other, other, city, other cities, other organizations, use the concept i won't say copy you know what i'm saying we're not the first to do it but when they do this concept in the dfw they can say south dallas did it first and south dallas is um you know my goal is to have it permanent have it in a permanent uh structure to where it just cycles it's uh so sustainable and people that may not be full-time entrepreneurs they can still have a storefront for whatever they sell whatever they do um and it is it's in no way to you know, reinvent the wheel of what the community center is, MLK Community Center. A lot of people have asked, you know, we should do that. And it's it's not rocket science. There's no need to, like, do that again. This is really for, um, as as it grows and as it becomes permanent, for people to really test out their business. Like, man, if I sold out in two days, what would I do if I, if I upped my volume or if I did this X, Y, and Z? Basically, a lot of our businesses came from COVID um, or, like, right before but for our food businesses, you know what I'm saying? When COVID hit, it put a it put a pretty pretty hard stop on what they could and couldn't do. Especially if they wasn't mobile, if they didn't have a truck or a trailer. Right. So it made them rethink like how to operate their business. Um, and the biggest thing is, and I mean, Ms. Wise really helped me see this is having different avenues for how they how they can make money from their business if they can't do events anymore, or if there is a lockdown again, or whatever the case may be. Like if they get tired of doing a pop up scene, which I want all of them to grow from the pop up scene to be in a storefront or just online sales or whatever. But now, and even then when we first, like the original phases was to have a space that people just felt like they could be, um, no harassment, no policing, you know what I'm saying? Just, just be. Just be, yeah. And I totally get that because that was my ultimate goals for my events too because I know the pressures of being black owned and bringing out that that predominantly black crowd and others being uh intimidated <laughs> <For sure. laughs> like what is going on yeah. um but outside of that so the the food park is is deeper than food it's actually a hub for businesses for sure so can you um i'm sorry can you um list out like the type of businesses that were involved in yeah. the for sure um, so from the non-food side, like I mentioned earlier, we have Breeze Bakes who does bunt cakes, brownies. Um, she's in a lot of dope spots. She's in a burger I am all the time. <laughs> um, we had 
barbecue from Smith's Bot Barbecue. We had cattails, Detroit style sandwiches. Miss Wise with her her pickling. She actually cooked on site as well. Um, what else did we have? Midnight Creations, which is another one that's in South Dallas. They did bake baked goods, uh, tea cakes, um, like this this amazing lemonade that I bought like at least a hundred dollars worth in. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> like she, yeah. Um, what else did we have? We had henna. We had even we even got um Dallas County to come out. You know what I'm saying? And just kind of not really push people to it, but just kind of educate people, people that was kind of like uneasy about the whole thing that's going on with COVID. You know what I'm saying? It, it was so many different things being said. A lot of people really just, if you, on a good day, you just see them sitting down, like giving, giving Dallas County an earful, like they, they earning their paycheck for sure. But they were, they were happy to be there and they, you know what I'm saying? They really, they really showed up in a way that I didn't, I didn't know what to anticipate. Um, and we also had, uh, man, what did we have? We had a homemade jewelry, um, sacred instruments, which is also, Oh, um, I love her. That's South my Dallas. girl. Yeah. yeah. Shout out shout out to Ms. Linda. Um, mm-hmm. She did just get a storefront in uh, Deep Elm, I think, actually. Um, oh, really? She got a storefront. I just got to remember her address. Um, and then we had, so the real estate is my is my sport. They were, they talked about real estate in the sense of like investing. So a lot of people are interested, interested in that as far as from, you know, seeing it from a black person's perspective, it's like they're more interested in and they're more like, okay, maybe it's not like multi-level marketing, like that kind of thing. Um, what else? We had Acer Rock Market, so like the they do um Nigerian food, so that was a big hit. A lot of people loved that. Um, we did have we didn't have as many vegan options, and I know you know that was tough, but a lot of people voiced that they wanted that more, so that was something to work on. That's good too. That's a good progress for sure. For to sure, have vegan options, and it was it was a wake up moment for some of our non black non down organizations that felt like oh veganism but in that community like learning people talking to people talking to them is wise like eating healthy has always been like a priority over there it's not like vegan is or vegetarian is new over there it's very Mm -mm. much you know the norm Mm -hmm. and of course we had like the community garden aspect that people could take what they wanted they were growing like greens uh a whole bunch of stuff so that's cool we had a little bit of everything out there that's awesome so did you guys funnel um any business resources after the event so that's where we fumbled the pack a little bit Um, okay well not really fumbled it it's something that at the beginning as we talked about it like as i talked with jason who is the founder of better block um you know he asked to like i mean even he was like he was like man every weekend is i didn't know what to expect he's like i didn't know i didn't think it was going to catch the way that it did you know and i was like i always knew it was going to work people always especially black people when they when they feel like you're coming genuine it's always going to work but we talked about how what were some of the biggest challenges and it was people just they had a good idea but they didn't have like a logo social media uh a website so it was hard for us to market them and promote them in the way that you know we can do some of our other vendors who have social media who are active who like they may not have a ton of followers but they have a really good a real life following um so we didn't do it like directly in the mid like in the midst of it afterwards but before the before the park actually got started, uh, we had we had like three, two or three Zooms where we met everybody. You know what I'm saying? They got to see us. We got to see them. And we kind of like put together like this super crash course guide of like how to how to help market yourself. Because, you know, at that time frame, we didn't have the time to really do it like that. But like, hey, if you don't have a logo, here are some free options that you can go to like get your logo like tomorrow. So we can go ahead and post it on the website because like Better Block had it on their website. And then for phase two and now phase three. 
I put all everybody's logos on my website, so they don't like people if they ever go to my website, they can see it there too. Um, so we try to do stuff like that and just, you know, the logo, social media, um, not telling people how to run their business, but just like having di- other ways to pay. We had a lot of people, well, not a lot, but we had people who only took cash, and that that hurts sometimes because you know we weren't in close distance to anywhere to get change. Um, and then we had people who didn't have really any type of digital transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, they just relied on Cash App. And if for whatever reason Cash App was down, then they were down. Um, so that is something that as phase two and phase three come together, thinking and thinking to me um, from a business perspective of how can we be better at helping them be better businesses. What's the difference between phase one and phase two? Uh the biggest difference was the time frame. So phase two was just one day. It was just on a Sunday. Phase one ran for about 12 weeks, 10 weeks, give or take. And different lot, different location. Um, but the elements were still the same. So we brought out seating. Uh, we had shades. just didn't get a chance to put them up. <laughs> um, music. Tried to bring out a lot of the elements that brought people the first time. Uh, we had a little bit of a smaller budget. So I didn't get to bring out everything that I wanted, like the art aspects of it and the different music. Um, music performances, but the bigger difference was really the location. Everything else was on, and we had vendor fees because we had, we have to, you know, we had to find a way to make sure that we can still be sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was really the biggest difference. Everything else um, I tried to mimic and enhance um, from phase one, or from the original. So the original, you had the the backing of the Better Block and other organizations. Yeah, so we had the backing of Trek. Um, and they like that's that's who reached out to Better Block. So we had a lot more money, a lot more resource resources to utilize for art, the installations, like the letters that we had, the murals that we had. Um, so we had a bigger, a bigger, a bigger bank to work with for sure. And now it's you only, or uh, it's me. And uh, you know, um, in the second phase, Friends of Fair Park really came in the clutch. That's the nonprofit arm of the park. And I know it's a it's, it's a double-edged sword when you're dealing with Fair Park. Um, but Friends of Fair Park, um, it was it was iffy, you know what I'm saying? Navigating that, yeah, they got the bread, but how do you, you know, how do you, the front-facing, like, to the community, like, oh, anything Fair Park, it's like, oh, we don't want to be involved. We don't want that to be involved with us. But, I mean, you can ask for a better, uh, they, want, they got a grant, and they wanted it to go towards the park. You know what I'm saying? All they wanted to do was make sure that it was in between the realms of MLK homes in Pennsylvania. There was no, you know, there was no really other, no other rules really. Um, so that money really helped set the set the foundation for phase two, phase three, and then, you know, so on and so forth. As far as what does our real life budget look like? Like what at the bare minimum do we need to operate? Um, and then for phase three, it's me coming out of pocket. You know, we have vendor fees, but <laughs> we try to try to use them at the very end there's things that you know you just got to pay for before right people start paying mm-hmm. um and you know I, we, we try to keep the venerees pretty reasonable i know if if you ask anybody we probably shortchanging ourselves but it's it's less about that and more about if it's other people that really they come around they talk about how they can be involved it's like put your money where your mouth is but for phase three i will shout out jack matthews uh, matthew southwest i know again a very interesting uh, history and relationship with South Dallas, but that was the, the lot that we used the first time. He owns that lot, um, so he allowed us to use it through Trek. And because they want to be involved through like the Public Improvement District, they've uh, 
offered to sponsor in some some uh, financial way. So that that was dope. But um, yeah, you know what I'm saying. This I think it's kind of part of the whole community organizing part. You don't always got the bread, but it, it it'll get there eventually. Yeah. So you guys are trying your best to make it a, a permanent spot for the community as a whole. Yes, ma'am. So what issues have you are there any issues or challenges that you have faced throughout this entire process? Uh the city of Dallas as mm. a whole. <laughs> um it's gotten better for sure, but um special event permit has been um I won't even say a beast because now it's like it's nothing now because I've done it now on my third time and like working through it from a bigger perspective with the original phase. Cause you know, we had to get um, so many different permits because we went beyond that time frame that the city has in place. Um, and you know, we, we, we ruffled some feathers for the fact that, you know, if this was any other large event in the city, like, you know, Greenville, St. Patrick's day, I don't feel like they have as much headache as we got, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, we got to where we needed to be. Um, so a little bit from the city as far as the elements, which is why I, you know, t- dialed it down a little bit for phase two and phase three as far as like building the stage, um, elements that the city felt like they could poke holes in, um, just kind of finesse them at their game. Um, but really the challenge, really the biggest challenge, like I'm grateful that I, that I found a property and a property owner who's really like on board with it. Right. But the permanency of it, like people like it right now is a pop up, and which is cool, you know what I'm saying? But I don't. I don't love the pop-up idea because it's very much like temporary. Yeah. Like yeah. where's, where's the permanency? Like, do you really care about it? Or is it just like something to keep doing every couple of months? Um, So the biggest challenges has been finding a permanent home and what's that look, what that looks like. And then to other people that, you know, they ask about it and they, they constantly blow me up about being involved and putting money up, you know, it's now or never for the sense of, Everybody wants a piece of being a part of the park, but nobody like, even like for me, I mean, the money helps, but like even just like coming out, volunteering, um, helping put stuff together. You know what I'm saying? Those are, those are things to me that, to me, that mean just as much as like putting up money. So the biggest challenge is, of course, I mean, I've been money. I don't want to put it all on that, but it's really just finding that, the, the space and the infrastructure. It sounds like that what is missing, and it's, it's probably already there, but the, not only the permanent space, but also the permanent value and appreciation for it for sure. from the community. Um, you know, I ain't even gonna say from the community because um, shout out to Moon. He he was a big help. Like when we had the parking at the original phase across the, the lot across the street where like this green building is, it's like impossible to miss. So we were using that to park people, and of course before we came, that's where they hung out at. So it was like a we kind of took over their spot. But he was always super down and super helpful every weekend, just making sure that like people didn't get towed, um, or pretend to get towed by a tow co- tow truck company that may not be a tow truck company. Um, so, so so to see him come out with phase two and tell other people about coming out to phase two, and just like, I think the community appreciates it, but it's also mm-hmm. I can understand why they're apprehensive about getting too excited about it. You know what I'm saying? So I can't really, I can't hold them to blame. I can't hold them to say like they don't they don't they don't appreciate it enough. It's it's a community that's for so long hasn't really gotten what they said they was going yeah. to get. So, you know, it's still warming up to them, which is fine. But it's for the outside people that, you know, the news comes out when it's a thing. And I don't expect them to reach out beforehand, but it's when people see value in it, monetary value, 
promotional value. That's when everybody city of Dallas. Yeah, pretty much. That's when yeah. every, me, even like your bigger entities. That's when everybody kind of jumps on and wants to be donors, sponsors, and all that. And it's just like you know, I'm very grateful that that community um, through Miss Wise and other people. You know, just we're very vocal about. You know, there's a lot of organizations in South Dallas, but none that they felt like had the capacity to like maintain it. And that's where it's not it's not my call to like give it off to somebody, but whoever whoever does pick it up after me, I mean, I would hope that they they can do it financially, but also like that they that they care enough to not just you know make it like D Bellum. Okay, <laughs> nothing against D Bellum, but uh, yeah. But we can talk about the difference between um, <laughs> what you just said—the old D Bellum and the new D Bellum. Uh, we're going to take a quick break and give a shout out to our sponsors and we'll be right back. Dear creatives, dear creatives in the Dallas Fort Worth area. And if you're not in the Dallas Fort Worth area, I still need you to turn up the volume and listen very closely. If you're looking for a studio to create your content in, you need to look into Breemore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studio located in historic downtown Dallas. We are open from 9 a.m. to 12 midnight due to the fact that a lot of creatives are usually night owls and also have 9 to 5. So we wanted to include that convenience. We also have equipment, quality top-notch equipment to not only create your content with, but to also record your podcast as well. If you're looking for a studio where you have peace of mind and just the ability to be yourself with no hassles, you definitely need to look into the Brimore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studios. We are here for creatives. It was created by a creative. So we definitely know all the pain and the problems so we decided to provide a solution. So again, if you are creative and you're looking to create content for your website, your social media, your TikTok, your Instagram, your Facebook, your www. Please look into Bremore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studios. And you can book via our website, which is www.bremoreproductions.com and anytime during this week if you are a new client we will take $20 off your next booking you heard it right you have to make sure you mention this ad when you are booking we look forward to hosting you guys all right peace You guys, thank you so much for tuning in to the Bring One Productions podcast, the same place for the Black Opinion. I just twisted my words, but y'all know what it is. Um, we have a special guest. Her name is Dee. Do you want to tap into what you do on a, a consistent basis, your nine to five, or would you like to leave it out? Oh, no, we can't. Um, so I am a urban planner during the day for a local city. And if you've been following me on any social media, then you know what city it is. But um, so I deal a lot with um planning zoning land use uh, 
um, a lot of people got hit to it last year, redlining, uh, the color of law. Um, so that's like a little bit of what I do. But um, I pretty much work in policy or some policy, but that's I work in local government. How did you um, start? <laughs> um, actually, my mom works in, has been in local government for like 15 years, 16 years. Uh, she did grants um, for housing and stuff like that. So we've always kind of been in the local government sector, but I never like wanted to work in local government. I never wanted to be like official, a paper pusher. Um, so I actually worked in parks and recreation when I was in graduate school um, in the city of Arlington at the rec center that I grew up playing basketball in. Um, and that's what I thought I was going to do. I was going to stay in like parks and rec. Um, then when I graduated, it didn't, it wasn't as easy. Um, just kind of like to make that transition. So uh, my first city that I worked in, out of graduate school was in the city of Lancaster. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it was, it was some ups and downs, but learned a lot for sure. Um, but urban planning, you can really do it in either public sector, which is local government, state, or private. So like firms, um, private development or whatever, or like nonprofit, which is like more community activist, activism, community advocacy. And it like delves into so many, all the things you hear people talking about, housing, homelessness, affordability, climate change, all of that stuff is like in the basis of like the policies that we study and learn about and hope to change. <laughs> That's cool. I think I think your job is important. I think we need to have um we and I'm talking about us need to be in spaces that um that utilizes the knowledge of politics and policies and law and government and <laughs> local sure. um because you actually just taught me something when we was um off air that I I never thought about when you was talking <laughs> about policies and oh. paper trails and stuff and I'm like huh like a, it makes sense so let's let's talk about that because <laughs> okay. um before we went on break, I brought up that maybe the community need to have more value. And you was like, no, nah, it's really the city of Dallas. And you was talking about your troubles that you had with the city of Dallas. Um, can you also like mention what you just told me yeah, about sure. the importance of policy? For sure. Um, so with some of the struggles, I will backtrack to that, that it has been a city, but it's also it's been some of like our businesses. So like us as black people, you know, we hear about it all the time, like, I wouldn't bash a black business online, no matter how bad it was. Just that's just me, you know what I'm saying? Like I know what it's I'm like the same way, to yeah. like to not have a following, and then when you work so hard for it, you know, social media can like kill it in a day or an hour, really. Um, so eighty five percent of it was the city at the beginning, and then fifteen percent was like our own vendors because they just didn't want to do right. You know what I'm saying? It's like I've been doing it this way for so long, my way. I don't see the point in changing. I don't see the point in trying to like meet in the middle in a way that you know local government is set up and like any system um you gotta finesse their rules for it to work for you mm-hmm. and some people will call that a sellout in some some arenas but it's like that's that that's that's how you beat them at their own game you know what i'm saying and that ties back into the policy we was talking about before um policies are what tech pr- protect uh communities of color i mean a lot of people talk about recreating greenwood you know what i'm saying but Nobody. Greenwood is Black Wall Street, just yeah. in case y'all didn't know. Sorry. And, um, Tulsa. <laughs> yes. Everybody talks about recreating it, but like, who's to say like what happened to Greenwood won't happen again? Right. I mean, and it has. Tulsa isn't the only one, and that's it's one of numerous. Many. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tons. But 
policy is what was allowed that to be penetrated so easily. Like now I'm trying to do that. I mean, they gonna probably try it, but ain't nobody finna go to court. Every and and don't don't no person don't don't no white person want to go to court and do all that litigation. They may have the money, but they don't got the time. Somebody black, or they got the time to wait out to get that to just to sit on it. Like you gotta think from a race, from a group of people that ain't never really been able to exist as is. If it just means waiting a little bit longer, waiting longer than I already have been to finally get my just due, why would I not? Right. So the policy part is very much so. Um, you can we'll get back to the Olympics. A ton of people everywhere, white and black, you know, rules are rules type of thing, and people love that. But rules are meant to be bent. What I always say at work, you know, every every local government, city of Dallas, city of Arlington, city of Grand Prairie, whatever, everything was written by a human, a white male, probably. It can be changed. It's literally like it's not like ingrained. It's not like the Ten Commandments or nothing like that. But policy protects places that cities want to protect. Um, policy protected Deep Ellum. It didn't protect Freedmanstown, but it protected it protected Deep Ellum. Right. Um, same thing with South Dallas. Like even it being like a historic district, which is hard from a like a state and a federal, also a local government. If your city's not backing you, of course the state not gonna back you. Of course the federal government's not gonna back you. But when you have that stuff on paper. Okay, now you can say, well, we we got this and we got it adopted by the city. Any change to that? Now, okay, now we got we, we we can go to court. You know what I'm saying? We can. It's now it's legal. Nobody nobody wants to do that. And I think that that that's what separates you from having like true and true generational wealth that you can pass that on, rather than just like flying by. You know, X Y and Z X Y and Z did it this way. You know what I mean? And that's that's I'm not gonna say policy is say all say all, but it's definitely when it comes down to who has access to what? Who has access to space, land, businesses? It's always about you got to find XYZ person. And when you find that person, it's usually somebody white that's yeah. like behind all of these other entities. But they put policies in They put policy, they put things in place so they couldn't be touched if ever they got sued or something like that. There's these other entities that like protect them. And I think that's what's going to ultimately protect black communities from a Greenwood or another community like that in the sense of a city going to be held accountable or a group of people going to be held accountable by money. White people don't love nothing beyond harassing other people of color. They don't, they don't want to, they don't want to give up money. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) That's like second favorite thing. So what is your advice when it comes to like black people um, protecting what's theirs once they do have access to it? Um, man, getting it on legal paper. Um, I talk to my grandma all the time. My grandma lives in um, Louisiana, in rural Louisiana, so it's like 500 people in their town. But she taught me, you know what I'm saying? She has a survey, which is like the lay of her land, um, what's hers and what's not. And she gets a new one every so many years. That way, if somebody ever tried to say, you know, like this this piece of land isn't hers, she already got something on legal paper that says, by the state of Louisiana, it is. You know what I'm saying? It's... It's going the extra mile to make sure that, you know, you're set in stone if it does get to that, that you can you can take into court. You know what I'm saying? You can fight it. It may get expensive fighting it and it may get, you know, in a way on you. But at least you can you can legitimately say, like, this is my land. This is our, our you know, this family's house has been in our family for generations. You know what I mean? And that's usually where it gets kind of weird because black people don't have wills. Black people don't leave like, you know, a breakdown of how things would go if they passed away. It's just like trust the county or 
they kept it all in like a safe box underneath their bed. And there's if they're if they passed away, it's it's extremely difficult to get things changed over from a person that's passed away when there's no no anything to say like oh so and so's supposed to get it. He talked to me about it one time ten years ago. You know what I'm saying? It's really much. It's very much so he's uh, hearsay. So to me, it's like um. Rather than just trying to get people to invest in real estate or buy real estate, which everybody may not be in a position to do, it's just like how can they how can they enhance what they have? Whether that's through home ownership, if they choose, you know what I'm saying? Or just having it on legal paper, you know? What I mean, like that is gonna be again a different type of policy, but it's still a piece of paper that can stand up pretty tall in court if need be. So legalize all your everything you can, everything that you own, pretty much. Put it on paper. And somebody that you trust in the event that, you know, you do pass away. You know what I mean? They they know exactly what you want. They know exactly how they, you want it to be carried out. Um, There's too many people that, especially black, especially in South Dallas, land is at a peak right now. Mm-hmm. A lot of older people came to the park and they were like, yeah, you know, um, I'd love to do this on my land. But the city told me or the county told me that they're about to take it um, because I haven't paid taxes. And sometimes it's they didn't just got those you know those letters in the mail and they may not be from a legitimate lawyer or law firm or whatever but they're scared so they're like well if i pay them x amount of money um then we'll be good and sometimes they pay to transfer the deed to transfer the title and now it's not theirs anymore and that's it's almost impossible to come back from just like fighting that legally but yeah basically getting everything legalized going about it the right way then finesse it when you get it yeah knowledge is everything um it's funny that you said that because i was actually on instagram one day and this guy was talking about how he comes up on real estate it's pretty much going to the this um the county's uh, website and looking up all the properties that have not paid their taxes foreclosure yeah foreclosure auctions that's all it is and i'm just like but have you like reached out to the people that Nah, the county the county's putting them on foreclosure auction because you know they've they've given them they've, they've done their due diligence by state law and when they're on like the county auction i mean they're going for literally nothing they just want them off the road the tax road you know what i'm saying yeah and that's how a lot of people flip property and that's a whole other story for another day about flipping property and but isn't that kind of like shady though kind of i mean it depends sometimes it really is like a foreclosed lot like they live in like California, or they've been out of the been yeah, out of Texas it for doesn't forever. exist. Yeah, like yeah, the, like the, the people in that. Yeah, for sure. Gotcha. But sometimes, I mean, people are grimy. Sometimes they they'll get somebody older to sign off on it on the auction to say that they run they want to release it because they can't pay taxes no more. And it, and I rem like oh my gosh, and it just be like probably fifteen hundred dollars if that you know what I'm saying like yeah like bro like even, how can we even like five thousand right now is still pretty cheap like yeah. Whatever I know for a fact that South Dallas land is extremely expensive because you're feeling the pressure um for gentrification coming from Deep Ellum, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? And coming from Baltimore Jean, you know, it's they're like right in the middle. And I can say for a fact people are they're nervous, they're worried because they've seen it happen in Freedman's town, you know what I'm saying? They've seen people be bought off their lot. They've seen people be, you know, eminent domain, which is like the city comes in and says, Well, we need this, so you got to come up off of it in X amount of days or take our offer or find a better offer or we're going to do what we need to do. Um, so, you know, it's it's, it's kind of shady, but it's like 
real estate is a long game. It's not a it's not a quick a quick thing. It's, it's very much so long term. Yeah, I mean, if there's nothing else that I agree with with Instagram wokeness is like land is definitely access to generational wealth. Absolutely. I I had a conversation with um shout out to Miss Ava. She's a um makeup artist here in Dallas and she was talk she talks about Freemantown all the time <laughs> and she tells me that it's it's actually uh it was actually multiple uh, Freeman ta- Freeman towns in Dallas, and she she actually lived in one. And she told me that the Fair Park was actually a Freeman town because that's where her house was before the Fair Park took over that land and pushed everybody out. She lived on Fair Park, like it was actually a street, and sure. it was like a successful black a whole community. Yeah, a whole community Fair Park cleared a good. I can't think of the exact number, but it, double digit amount of acres. Like people have no idea that Fair Park clears so many, and the the irony of the park, you know what I'm saying, is for the longest, black people didn't even have like access to the park until Booker T. Washington came here, and they had Negro Day, which was one day out of the you know a fair runs for a month and a half. So that that's that's part of that sense of you know. You don't hear about that freedom of time. You don't really hear about. You really don't even hear about it in Deep Ellum until really like last year. As far as everything you see in Deep Ellum was already created for them to be successful artists. It was already a hub for art and creatives and music mm-hmm. and stuff like that. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? It was, it was a place that too many black people before us had already like laid out, and then now it's just like trendy. So I definitely believe it for sure. Um, but it's having having land and having access to it, but. You know, it's not, again, it's not as easy to come by as Instagram may make it seem. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, And what you're saying about Deep Ellum is definitely true. I mean, I, Deep Ellum was like a a hub for my friends and I before I um became part of, in, part of this building that I'm in right now. I actually used to work out of Buzz Bruce. Oh, okay. And we used to meet up and you know, organize our businesses because we didn't have office spaces. So, you know, now we don't even meet in Deep <laughs> Ellum. Like we, all my friends is like, I'm just going to be blunt. Like fuck Deep Ellum because it's not even the same. Like we can't be ourselves. We, it's not for the arts, the real authentic yeah. artsy creatives. Like for sure. it's not there anymore. Yeah. You know, I, I, I'm not going to, you know what I'm saying? I've gone to Deep Ellum a handful of times. You know what I mean? nightlife or whatever or whatever they want to call it um it's not for me um but even knowing like it's history you know it's, it's a hub you know especially for like black millennials like deep elements where it's at it's sunday fun day that's typically where you're gonna find us it is one them um so i'm not going you know down talk it it's just like it's it's nothing new it's kind of like they reinvented the wheel but because it's such a long gone you know past for city of dallas they celebrated when like right I think during Black History Month, they had, you know, the banners up in Deep Ellum. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't always a celebrated history. Now that the city's, you know, everybody wants to be you know, down or whatever. It's cool, you know what I'm saying? But it's, it was already cool. <laughs> Before, yeah. yeah <laughs> you even said yeah, it was cool, yeah. yeah it that's was already true. a thing. It was already saying? there, yeah, that's yeah, true. For sure. So, you know, I'm not going to knock it for anybody else. It's just not, it's not my scene. Yeah. 
Well, it, I, I'm just like just speaking from experience and seeing the difference between uh, what it used to be and what it is now is is definitely a different vibe. <laughs> I think it's more commercialized than anything, and that's what me and my friends we talk about that all the time. And there's definitely like politics um in deep ellum i used to host the closet sale the Brewmore productions closet okay. sale at buzz brews and the transition like when i started um the closet sales it was welcomed it was hype they promoted they was happy but then when all the other businesses came in which were more cookie cutter and uh commercialized it was like okay this event is not fitting the tone of the um, environment we actually want to be more of a five-star restaurant i'm like yo y'all no like <laughs> wait a minute wait what and like it was just so weird so after that once they brought in a new manager and his goal was to appease others um it was time for us to go but i never really spoke on that because i'm like mm, you know everything happened for a reason and you know, just move forward and just move on and just continue to do it, do other things within sure, the community. For sure, yeah, for sure. But um, you definitely like even right now, you know what I'm saying? With a lot of the riots last year, you know what I mean? Like the fact that it has to be monumental to be black and be on Deep Ellum is stupid. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> we were here first. Why would, why would it be monumental if black people was there would be no Deep Ellum without Freemanstown. There would be no grunge scene without Freemanstown. And as much as people want to, you know, why is it about race? Yada, 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 yada. Um, I mean, without black people, you wouldn't have deep element. You wouldn't have, like, any type of style to copy. You wouldn't have any type of, you know, culture to, to you know, cookie cut. Like you said, you wouldn't have a culture to try to uh, appropriate. Um, maybe grunge didn't exist, but all of those hole in the wall spots was because there was nowhere for them to be the artists that they were, the creatives that they were in any other part of Dallas. So, you know, I think this is a lot of respect to anybody that has, it's black that has a space on, you know, anywhere in Deep Ellum. Yes, a lot of respect. Kudos to you. For sure, but it's also like completely, completely as backwards to say like, it's monumental to be black and be on Deep Ellum when I can guarantee you, if they from Dallas, you know what I'm saying? Somebody in their lineage already been there been there done that paved uh-huh. the way for this maybe even occupied this space so it's kind of like a, a double fold but you know it's just it is part of the it's part of part of the politics and part of the policies that's you know constantly trying to change. i was just about to say how i was about to ask you like how can this be avoided <laughs> what is what is like what what are your thoughts on that um i think the first part starts with us Nobody, it's like a, the elephant in the room. It's like, it's almost right up there with race. It's like, when you talk about black people and other black businesses, you got to want to see each other win. You got to want to see each other be successful. And for the for the hundred that's like that, that feels like that, it's 200 more that it's all about them. It's eat gritty, step on whoever you need to step on to get to the top. And that's, that's a survivor mentality, which I think every black person may be guilty to just from where we came from, you know what yeah. I'm saying? But I think it's banding together when you need to and not, you know, throwing other people under the bus in a business, especially if your business is your livelihood, you know? Right. Um, but it's collectively doing that. Not doing it just for, like, the clout. Not doing it just because it seems good right now. Like, that 
that stance has to be nonstop. It, it it never goes away as far as like being black businesses. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I think the time to do so is always. For sure. If yeah. you ever have to think twice about it, then maybe you're not as like dedicated to it, which is like going back to the beginning, like I don't consider myself an activist. I just, you know what I'm saying? I'm, I'm grateful to be in a position that I'm in. I'm grateful to have like decided to go back to school and give up my life again to UTA. <laughs> um, but uh, being in urban planning has totally like changed my whole view of, I think I always thought that way, but it's different as far as like when I hear people talk about getting houses built or building businesses, it's like now being able to like actually help them in a way that a realtor just couldn't, they, there's no way they couldn't do it. Um, a realtor's job is to sell you a house and sell you land. They can't tell you how to, if you can really develop it the way you want to, they're going to tell you what they want to tell you. So you're going to buy it. Nothing against realtors, but it's a nice feeling to like have friends and family, like I said with my grandma, like to know, like, yeah, grandma. Well, she already, she already had her, you know, P's and Q's, but this is what's going to keep them from, like, trying to sell your property, trying to take your property. And then for friends and family, like, this is what's going to help you not in, over-invest in land that may not be used before what you're trying to use it for. So, you know what I'm saying? It's every, every avenue, I think, brings everybody back together. But I think um, with the Freeman's Town, you know, from the pictures and from the stories that I've heard, it was everybody was banded together so they could survive. And now it's like everybody's trying to trying to be the everybody wants to be the chief. Nobody wants to just be Indian, right? Which is, I mean, I get it. I guess I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not built like that, but I yeah. want to see everybody win. So mm-hmm. you know, I think that's that's a big part of it. That's why I said like the city has a lot to do with it for sure. That's like embedded systemic racism, and there's nothing anybody in the city of Dallas can say otherwise. It's written that way. It was. You go in City Hall right now, it's a picture of every prominent white person in Dallas, white male, and it's in this City Hall as if they're very proud of it. You got to change your structure. You got to change the way people think. Like, if I was black and if I was working in City Hall and I see that picture and it's all the white men that have given black people hell in Dallas, Robert B. Cullen, you know what I'm saying? Like, people like that, and you got a, a picture in color in City Hall, hung up, you're tripping. Like, you're not really trying to change. And that's something simple. But you got to be willing to piss off some people who going to... They gonna, I mean, they're going to be mad, but it is what it is. That's that's kind of how, like, progress happens. Yeah. Provoking. Yeah. I mean, it, and it, I mean it's, for the, it's for the greater good. Greater thing. good. It's for the greater good. You know what I'm saying? I remember, did you ever watch that TV show, Underground? I don't think. What channel did it come on? Uh, WGN in the beginning. <laughs> WGN. Yeah, I, I did. <laughs> well, my parents would let me. But, yeah. It was, like, it was one of my favorite. Um, It, it came out, like, 2017. And oh, then okay. it was canceled. But it's on Hulu right now. And I highly suggest everybody to go tap into Underground. But um, they, they played, um, they displayed a significant, um, part of Harriet's journey. Oh, okay, okay. Harriet Tubman. And and one of my favorite quotes that came from that series, she said, um, there's nothing wrong with um, a, a little sin, a little sinning for the greater good. <laughs> and she, um, in that scene, what they did was they actually robbed a church to um, get money for the Underground Railroad. So she was like, fuck it, I got to do what I got to do. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you get into the system and you finesse it. I mean, you it's kind of like when you get money, either you're going to let it change you or you're going to let it uh, elevate you. Um, And that's that's how I look at it being a public sector planner, like being in local government. Like, I know so many things. I know so many people that are capable about what they're really doing. 
But you know what I'm saying? That's that that's for them to keep going in that way. But I know like from a local government, like really looking at what you got, like anybody has access to like tax records. So when people say they're buying stuff, you can easily really see if they bought it or not, if it's really theirs or not. Mm. But I wouldn't like why would why would I use my knowledge for like just to put somebody on blasts? Rather than just like, you know, that's what they want. How do you exist in a world in that world? that you come across people that are all cap and you are <laughs> truthful and honest like how do you exist how do you keep saying oh uh, i just be chilling <laughs> <laughs> for the most part for the fact that um i went through a pretty 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 um uh, interesting time trying to find my place in planning trying to find my place as a like a, as a black woman as a as a gay black woman as somebody who is openly openly gay but also openly different like as far as like what you see in urban planning which is kind of like you picture like an architect like um very very just cut and dry like no emotion no no connection to people or whatever um uh, for the most part like you know it's kind of like that quote when people say uh men like women my numbers don't when people cap and they come to city hall and it's like well x y and z well you know everything is public record so by looking at this it's really not what you say it is it's really not at this value you're really not doing what you you're really not building what you say you're building because if it's coming from the ground up then you've got to get the permission from the city and if they can't find it then that means it's not real it doesn't exist <laughs> so for me existing in it is just like being very unapologetic and, you know it it didn't happen overnight you know what i'm saying it didn't happen just being like this comfortable um, being comfortable enough to get my hand tattooed to where I feel like either a job gonna take it or they not just because like I know I'm like that I know I'm cut like that and I know I'm, I'm extremely intelligent when it comes to this and then when it comes to talking to black and brown people that my you know my white counterparts don't want to deal with right um so existing as is is you know it's some days it's challenging you know what I'm saying especially when it's your own that come up there you know with the with the recklessness but for the most part it's um you know and push it to the back you know what i mean because it's they're 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 in that position maybe because they just been there you know they waited their time which is fine you know i'm not on that same path of just like waiting till somebody die or retire to like get my shine or whatever or even just to be like appreciated it's very much so existing in a way that people can respect you and they you know no matter if you're at the bottom of the totem pole at the top it's just like it's reciprocated respect that's all you care about is the respect of it. For sure. Because yeah. for so long, I just like, you know, I'm very passive, so I don't really say nothing. I just be chilling. But right. it gets to the point to where like you, you, you gotta, you gotta let niggas know like this, this is not, this is not that and that ain't this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Sometimes you gotta, you know, hey, check, yeah. check. So um, when is the next uh, food park so people know um, how to attend and if the vendor um, application is still open? Tell people how they can apply. Yeah. Um, so the next food park is going to be September 19th on a Sunday. Um, we're going a little an hour longer. So it's going to be from 2 to 5. Um, same location, 2929 MLK Boulevard, right across the street from the MLK Community Center. So it's super accessible as far as, like, knowing where it is. Um, vendor applications are still open till Monday, August 16th. Um, so we got about 28 people right now. Um, a mix of, like we talked about earlier, food trucks. Um, different types of food, um, different type of vendors, uh, from candles to jewelry, baked goods, uh, handmade crafts, just like all types of stuff. Like the last one I learned what macr macrame was, and I didn't even know like what that was. Uh, so I try to get unique stuff, <laughs> and I try to get like you know things that I don't know what it is exactly. 
and even like back to like what we talked about earlier, like with vegan, you know what I'm saying? Bringing that out because that's something that people were very vocal about. If they're not like my best friend is vegan. So I want her to be able to come out and have something to eat or have something that she can possibly eat um, without having to like driving. Yeah. And then like doing all the fact checking, like how did you cook this? What did you cook it with? That kind of thing. So, you right. know, it's being very cognizant of that, but um, September 19th, uh, same spot, you know what I'm saying? Same vibe, same love, same respect for the community. Hoping to do, do numbers like always. Is there like a, a website, Instagram? Oh yeah. Um, so my Instagram is at B D underscore P and then the website is DRBTS urbanplanning.com. It's the first thing on the website as far as the vendor application. And then you can navigate to like to phase three. And then if you want to see, like, if we cap or not, you can go look at phase two, <laughs> uh, all the pictures and stuff like that. And then um, I, I I put my Instagram together with my, like, my personal life and my work because they, like, they go together. I wouldn't be an urban planner. I wouldn't be as great of an urban planner as I was if I wasn't a black woman. Like, I'm, I'm convinced that my lived experiences make me a better planner than anybody white <laughs> and that's for my black colleagues too they feel the same you know I, I want them to feel the same way in a sense of I want people to see like this is what I do but also like there's days where I'm just a bum ass nigga like I don't do anything <laughs> like I'm just regular you know what I mean like I'm not I'm not, I'm not a I'm not anybody different I just decided to like get up off my ass and make a difference in right. a way that I in a way that felt like natural to me like, and I that's the reason why I called you <laughs> but I totally understand because I I, I there's some people out there yeah. really doing that work. I just, yeah. you know what I'm saying? I tried to utilize that. <laughs> Those- Dear creatives. Dear creatives in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And if you're not in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, I still need you to turn up the volume and listen very closely. If you're looking for a studio to create your content in, you need to look into Breemore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studio located in historic downtown Dallas. We are open from 9 a.m. to 12 midnight due to the fact that a lot of creatives are usually night owls and also have 9 to 5. So we wanted to include that convenience. We also have equipment, quality top-notch equipment to not only create your content with, but to also record your podcast as well. If you're looking for a studio where you have peace of mind and just the ability to be yourself with no hassles, you definitely need to look into the Brimore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studios. We are here for creatives. It was created by a creative. So we definitely know all the pain and the problems So we decided to provide a solution. So again, if you are creative and you're looking to create content for your website, your social media, your TikTok, your Instagram, your Facebook, your www. Please look into Bremore Productions Creative Lab and Podcasting Studios. And you can book via our website, which is www.bremoreproductions.com and anytime during this week if you are a new client we will take $20 off your next booking you heard it right you have to make sure you mention this ad when you are booking 
We look forward to hosting you guys. All right. Peace. For sure. I think it's dope. I think it's well needed. I think we need to, uh, like I tell people all the time, we need our hands on deck. Sure. So even if you feel like, well, you know, I have a nine to five, but it's the it's the fact that you are in that space, and I just need people to be more unapologetic about being a black woman or a black man in those spaces. Sure. So when it is time to step up and help out, we we have representation there. For sure. And um, I tell people that all the time, like representation, uh, it definitely matters. It's, it's definitely needed. You know, it's been times here in this building where we have like conversations and I had to correct them because they simply just do not know about black life. And it's like sure. shit that they think is ghetto. I'll be like, nah, that's some normal shit. Regular, like that's not, shit. right. It's not, it's not as ghetto as it, as, as it, as you make it seem. So, Yes, um, we definitely need all hands on deck. I definitely appreciate you. I like the fact that that's like the the last thing that you're thinking of. You're thinking about respect first, <laughs> but sure. it's definitely, you are definitely appreciated. Thank you. I definitely appreciate it. I definitely appreciate you and what you do. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, it's the people that may not want to have an entrepreneurial life. I never said I was going to be an entrepreneur. Like, it was way too much responsibility. And now, like. It is. <laughs> you see me early. <laughs> <laughs> that is like I'm, <laughs> I think I'm working more with my own thing than I do at work. But um, it's as I as I got more into this, I saw like there wasn't enough people in my profession, in the private sector, you know, doing what what, what needs to be done. Like spending so much money on community engagement and all they doing is like talking to people with these thirty page, thirty long, you know, thirty thirty slides. Like this is why nobody's talking. This is why nobody's coming. It's boring. <laughs> um, but there's people who don't want to do that. There's people who genuinely want to find the good in public sector planning you know what i'm saying or public sector or law medicine you know what i'm saying let people do that let people exist in those spaces there's nothing wrong with a nine to five i'm just a person who doesn't want to go to one but i'm going because i because right now i need to right i'm building up my own resume my own portfolio but there's people who want to work a nine to five and go up the ladder you know what i'm saying that's why i tell like why you know people that are my bosses like it's not about me right now like if it was a twenty, a twenty-one, twenty-two-year-old me, I flip all of this shit over. But I'm a little older now. I'm a little bit more mature. But think about the next wave of planners that you're getting that are gonna be black or Hispanic. They're not gonna put up with this. Like you want them to work outside of work every single day. Right. This this new wave of change makers, they they gonna tell you what they want and either you gonna do it or they're not gonna come to work. They're gonna quit. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And that's that's really it's the people that are coming up behind me. Yeah. Or they're, they're, maybe they're about to graduate or they're about to have a career change, but it's for them to be able to exist in this space. And if somebody, some somebody, typically a man, comes at them crazy, then they know that their colleagues and their bosses are going to support them because somebody else has already been here. They like had to check them and be like, "Yeah, this shit is obviously not okay. You need to you need to step on this." So that person now feels comfortable of going to them and being like, "Hey, this happened with this person, and I don't feel comfortable." I need to be off X amount of days. And they're going to be like, you know what? I understand rather than, um, well, can you stay for the rest of the day? I mean, like how, how bad do you feel? Like right. that, that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. it's, it's way, it's so much bigger than me. You know what I mean? And there's nothing wrong with the, you know, the nine to five grind. I just. At all. <laughs> At all. Like for I sure. said, we need our hands on deck. Most so definitely. we can, we can have a balance of both nine to fathers and exactly. entrepreneurs. We're going to be straight. For sure. 
So thank you, thank you so much for considering um, Bree More Productions, and shout out to Shanae for thank you Ms. linking Boyce. us um, together. For sure, thank you for having me. I definitely appreciate it, and all that you do on the field. Sorry, I keep hitting the mic. <laughs> no, you could. <laughs> um, thank you so much. I really appreciate for that. Sure. Thank you. Um, if you guys want to learn more about the food park and also get to know Dee on the next level and what she's doing in the community. Of course, you can continue to follow Breemore Productions. We are going to be reposting the flyers and everything that we need to do on our end to promote and also to get our audience out. As you all know that I'm like from South Dallas. I scream South Dallas every day. If you don't know <laughs> nothing about Breemore, you know Breemore is from South Dallas. So I'm definitely all in to like promote and do what I need to do to make sure that, you know, I'm there and you guys are there. So if you guys are interested, make sure you continue to tune in to Breemore Productions, social media platforms, and also the podcast and YouTube channel. And um, also go to Dee's page as well. And let's get it done. Sure. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Until next time, stay dangerous.